Grace to all of you, grace and peace from God, our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text read as the second reading included this line, Then I saw another angel flying in the middle of the sky. He had the everlasting gospel from the book of Revelation. Dear friends in Christ, where do you find yourself in the book of Revelation? You heard pastors say that I'm the Wells Administrator for Ministerial Education. That means I work in the Synod headquarters. I'm responsible for all of the schools and programs that train the next generation of pastors, teachers, staff ministers, and missionaries. But they give me other duties as well. And one of the other duties I have is answering the random questions that come in on the Synod website to the Ask Us Any Questions section. And this last week, I had a question about where this fine young woman who was writing to me found herself in the book of Revelation. She was writing from a country where the internet is closely monitored to flush out Christians and persecute them. She was writing from a place where the government demands what you would recognize as worship. And she realized in her study of the book of Revelation with a Lutheran person helping her read that she had worshipped one of those ugly beasts in Revelation. And that even the mark of the beast that is a formal recognition that that's the one she worshipped was on her. And she said, is there any hope for me to go to heaven? Because I have received the mark of the beast and those are the people going to hell in Revelation. And so I had the privilege in this week where we were preparing to celebrate the reformation of the church to tell her the everlasting gospel that not only is there hope for her, as she was writing to me penitent of her sin of worshiping government over God, that she was forgiven through what Jesus has done for us and that she could cling to Jesus so that on the day of judgment she would be welcomed into eternal paradise described so beautifully in Revelation. Where do you find yourself in the book of Revelation? 500 years ago, when Lutherans were calling themselves Lutherans, when Martin Luther died, they knew where to find him in the book of Revelation. A fine pastor by the name of Bugenhagen preached his funeral sermon, and this, Revelation chapter 14, was the sermon text. Pastor Bugenhagen read, Then I saw another angel flying in the middle of the sky. He had the everlasting gospel to proclaim. And Pastor Bugenhagen said, That angel is Martin Luther. Now, he did not have a 
crazy view of Revelation that found that every little thing is you can find one person and that fulfills the whole thing. But he knew that whenever the everlasting gospel was proclaimed in truth and purity, that you could call that proclaimer, that angel in the sky, that messenger of God. But Pastor Bugenhagen preached this text on purpose because he knew that the word that Martin Luther had once again taught so clearly was being proclaimed across the world. The text goes on to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And then the content of that message is described here in Revelation. That angel said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. I noticed in pastor's preparation for worship that he had notes. You could take sermon notes if you wanted to. I don't see anyone writing, so I don't know if you're actually taking sermon notes. But when Pastor Bugenhagen preached for Martin Luther's funeral, he said there is law here and there is gospel here. And there's a law and gospel section there at the bottom of the notes. The law, fear God, the hour of judgment has come. God in heaven is absolutely holy, absolutely perfect, and he wants you to be perfect as well. He wants you to go to heaven, but you have to be absolutely perfect to get there. Otherwise, you would mess up the holiness of heaven. And so God says, be perfect even as I am perfect. Be holy even as I am holy. That's something that strikes fear in us because each of us knows that we're not perfect. Fear God, for the hour of judgment has come. He's serious about holiness. He's serious about perfection in heaven. But also give him glory, because he has sent his only son into the world to provide the perfection that we need. When Jesus lived a perfect life, and then died an innocent death, paying the punishment for our sins, it became his perfection that was credited to our accounts. And his perfection is what I cling to through faith in him on my way to heaven because his perfect robe of righteousness covers me and Jesus lets me enter with his robe of righteousness on. That's the everlasting, everlasting gospel clearly proclaimed in the scriptures, clearly taught by Martin Luther and his followers, send it out into the entire world. And if you wonder if that eternal gospel is for you, then listen again to whom it is proclaimed. He had the everlasting gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth. That's you this morning. Worship him who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. That's God's creation you see around you. To every nation, tribe, language, and people. And you are in that group. You and I are in the nation, language, tribe, and people where we grew up and where we live now, and we have no doubt that the everlasting gospel is also for us. We especially have no doubt 
as confessional conservative Lutherans celebrating Reformation. Where do you find yourself in the book of Revelation? I was adopted into a confessional conservative Lutheran family. It was a Wells family. And so I was raised, went to Sunday school. We actually had home devotions. I didn't get to go to Lutheran elementary school, but I did get to go to Lutheran high school. And I believed what I was taught. It was very clearly taught from the scriptures. But I assumed that everyone else growing up in every other Christian denomination and every other religion also just believed what they were taught and thought that that was the truth because that was how they were raised. I didn't realize what distinctive teaching confessional conservative Lutherans had until a moment of crystal clarity in my life when I attended a debate between a Baptist seminary professor and a Jewish rabbi. I know that sounds like the setup for a joke, but it really happened. I was studying to be a pastor, and I went, uh, this is before the internet, so you had to find out what was going on, you read the bulletin board at the entrance of the grocery store. I was walking into the grocery store, and there on the bulletin board there was a poster, and the poster said, debate. Jewish rabbi, Baptist seminary professor, and it was being held at the synagogue, sponsored by the Jewish people, debate on the identity of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. Okay, here's what that means. I think you know these words. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And King James, by his stripes we are healed. New International Version, by his wounds we are healed. You've heard those words before. Okay, who is that? I know who that is, but I was fascinated to hear what the Jewish rabbi thought that was. And so I went to the debate at the synagogue. It was packed. And the Jewish rabbi went first. He said, some Jewish people believe that in this text, the prophet Isaiah is referring to himself, that he suffered when people didn't listen to him, and that this suffering somehow ennobled him and other people. And some people believe that this text refers to a Messiah who will come sometime in the future and suffer for the sake of people. But most Jewish people believe today that this text refers to the Jewish people who suffered in the Holocaust so that the world would learn that there, we should never have that kind of genocide again. I had never realized, and I just took it for granted that what the man said about Jewish people was true. I had never realized that they saw the suffering of Jewish people in Holocaust as a fulfillment of Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. How interesting. The Baptist seminary professor had his turn, and this was a conservative man. He believed that the Bible was the word of God. He taught at Dallas Theological Seminary. He did a very fine job explaining Isaiah 53. He said, 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah saw what Jesus would do, that he would suffer, that he would suffer not for his own sin, because he was innocent, he was perfect, but that he would suffer for the sins of the whole world. 
by his wounds we are healed. And he explained that Jesus did that in our place. He used the term vicarious atonement. Vicarious, Jesus did that for us, an atonement, that he paid a price to make us at one with God. It was a beautiful explanation. I was hoping all the Jewish people were listening. That man was speaking the gospel. It was time for the Jewish rabbi's rebuttal. He said, that's the problem with you Christians this vicarious atonement thing. You think someone else is responsible for your life before God, so you take no responsibility for your own life at all. You think someone else has paid for your sins, so you get off scot-free now and you do whatever you feel like. That was the cause of the Crusades and all of the atrocities. That's the cause of anti-Semitism. I might even say that was the cause of the Holocaust, this vicarious atonement that you teach. Oh man, I'm thinking now as a theological student, what an opportunity for the Baptist seminary professor to explain. Now that Jesus has taken care of forgiveness in heaven for us, now we in turn choose to serve God and the Spirit moves us to love one another, not to hate one another, that we're against everything God is against, that we teach you that you... Well, I had it all figured out what he should say. Here's what he said. You misunderstand me if you think that vicarious atonement means you're forgiven simply through faith in Jesus without any strings attached. Actually, Christians believe that you have to add a certain number of good works in order to get to heaven. Uh, you have to be sure that you demonstrate your repentance to God so that he knows to count it, and you have to keep the commandments. Christians debate how precisely how to keep the commandments, but in general, you have to keep them at a certain level so that you're good enough to get into heaven. And then the Baptist seminary professor who taught comparative theology, showing what each denomination teaches at the seminary level, said to the Jewish rabbi, the only people in Christianity who teach that you go to heaven simply through faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins are conservative confessional Lutherans, and even a lot of them are giving that up. Dear fellow conservative confessional Lutherans, are you giving it up? It's tough around here. The world seems to be against us. The other Christians are adding good works necessary for salvation. Demographics don't look good. Where do you find yourself in the book of Revelation? It's the end times, but we're all in this together. We've joined our resources with members of 13 other, 1,300 other congregations here in the U.S. We support the training of the next generation of pastors, teachers, staff ministers, missionaries who know and believe the everlasting gospel and will speak it to you, clearly proclaiming it until their last breath. 
you join resources in this geographic area to support one another in this important work. Fear God and give him glory, you members of every nation and tribe, people and language, as we pool our resources to take that eternal gospel out into the world, be confident in it right here in your own heart because we have that clear word. By grace, nothing that we deserve. We know Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins through faith in him without any strings attached. And we continue to proclaim the everlasting gospel. Not alone. We're all in this together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.